You are listening to the Chompcast, the official podcast of Sword Chomp. And remember, you can always go to swordchomp.com where you can access the many places our podcast is available for download. But if you're listening to the show right now, that means you found us. So welcome to the madness that is the Chompcast. Jump in the cockpit. Young money. (laughs) Uh, um, Thank you, Shay. Jump in the cockpit. Grab the controls. Strap in and grab your helmet. No, this isn't the crazy sex machine that Fish keeps in his basement. We are jumping into our own mechs as we are battle-ready in a new episode of the Chompcast as we've been playing tons of Into the Breach, a game you probably haven't even heard of, and that's a damn shame. So we're going to break that down later. Um, The topic of the show is really interesting today. I mean, have you ever heard about a game premise or a concept and said to yourself, that sounds dumb as hell, and then you played the game and it totally blew your fucking mind? Um, we thought that'd be a perfect topic of the show. Basically, the idea is video games that sound awful on paper, uh, but in reality, were incredible. Um, we have some amazing and fun Instagram poll results at the Ad Sword Chomp Instagram, including why wasn't Donkey Kong Country 2 on the SNES Classic? Um, will humanity be succeeded by AI? Uh, Japanese Taco Bell? Piloting your own mech in a dream fantasy scenario and the final season of love on Netflix. All sorts of random shit. So it's going to be a lot of fun to inject the show with some good stuff because the games are kind of thin about right now as we're all kind of waiting for Far Cry 5 to drop. Um, the bio break this week is a cool correlation uh, between meerkat colonies and strategy games that Shay picked out. And we have oh so much more. It is going to be a badass show. So thanks for dropping in with us. Um... Let's get to some intros here right off the bat. Bum, ba, dum, ba, dum. Up first, so these are like um, kind of fun mech-themed intros, sort of like alternate storyline kind of things. Um, so up first, as usual, from Texas, the man, the myth, the Filipino Johnny Depp, Fish is here. This is my story for you, Fish. You're battling to the very end, all right? It's your last stand in your mech here, all right? All is lost. The enemy mech is locked on yours, ready to launch their final stream of missiles and end your valiant service. Now, Fish, you know the end has come, and as smoke is filling your cockpit, you softly kiss two of your fingers and then gently press those fingers to the Olivia Munn picture hanging in your cockpit as you mutter, this one's for you, Munn, before you're obliterated into dust. That sound about right, Fish? Huh. Very well put, Morgan. That that was epically described of my last moments on the battlefield in that alternate right? timeline. It's just a shame that Olivia Munn doesn't know who I am. <laughs> Maybe she... This is your chance, man. This is how we're going to get her attention. <laughs> right? I have to change that somehow. Mm-hmm. I have to get her attention. In death, you have a name. Mm. Oh, yeah. I do? Yeah. You know, well, well here's what we'll, do. we'll just tag. I'm going to tag her like a hundred times in the post. It's going to be like 15 Olivia Munn tags. All right. It's going yes, to get to her somehow. Do that. Um, yes. Run, run a poll <laughs> as well. Should fish. The tricky part <laughs> is going to be if she actually responds. What does oh, fish do then? Oh, we'll die of nervousness then. Oh, oh God. Oh, that would be. Oh, well, geez, you would. oh God. Golly gee willikers, Olivia Munn. <laughs> it would awaken the beast inside of you, fish. I just know it. Um, I don't like the sound of that. 
I do. <laughs> so I'm always trying to bring the beast out. You know, Fish, you probably could have survived if you had spent more time studying at the academy uh, in your mech piloting class, if that's a thing, mech piloting 101, and less time skipping class for Monster Hunter World. So, lesson learned, my friend. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I guess I just walked out of the battlefield and that was the end. <laughs> like, this, this is how you do this, right, guys? Um, <laughs> Look, guys, I moved. Oh, shit, there's all the enemies. It's all this shit flying Which one's me. a gas? Which one's a gas? <laughs> <laughs> uh, you fought valiantly to the end. Um, thanks for being here, Fish. Uh, from Japan, Shay Layton is here, of course. Uh, the professor, a shame my alternate storyline for you is, is I think fits you pretty well. You had a research mech, all right? And you were deployed to do some biological surveying of a new planet. Now, this mech was mostly equipped with different elements of technology that one would use to study and observe, in some cases, even gather uh, resources for the greater good uh, of the research, right? Um, it's like a non-combat mech. Um, but of course, here's the strange thing. You didn't show up for a while. They haven't heard from you. So they deploy a unit to find your mech. And of course, when they find your mech, it's just standing still in the middle of the forest, right? And they're like, what the hell is going on? So they slowly approach this mech. It's like a squad of soldiers, right? They're, they're just trying to be cautious. Like maybe it's been taken over. Maybe something's wrong here. And as they approach the mech, they see the glass cockpit is completely fogged. And one hand, a woman's hand, comes up slapping the window. Much like the scene from Titanic. <laughs> and they realize that you are doing your own form of biological research. <laughs> what? With alien life forms? What the fuck is going on? That's where you fill in the rest of that story. I mean, huh. it is a woman's hand. I didn't say it was an alien. It's a woman's hand. Yeah. And then a tentacle oh, comes up and grabs that hand, and they both slowly <laughs> slide down Ooh. the foggy window. Oh, okay. See? Oh, it, Jesus Christ. That was good. That was the best one you've ever written for me, and I'm very, I'm very <laughs> appreciative that that was my story. Whew, that was yeah, good. I was, <laughs> as Ooh. soon as it started to come together, I was like, man, I hope he appreciates my Titanic reference. I'm going, I'm going old school. Um, You're going all in. Oh, fuck. Yeah, um, apparently in an alternate universe, Tinder doesn't exist. I, uh, I just have to... Uh, uh, Commander Riker, my way through a new planet. Uh-huh. <laughs> you were, yeah, you were doing research. That's for sure. Um, I was doing but, something. Uh, it's odd. His whole mech actually leans just a little bit. It's not just uh, <laughs> not just shaking. It's like mech shaking back and forth. Little, just a little bit. Do mechs squeak like a car would squeak <laughs> on Lover's Lane? What is Lover's Lane? I don't know. That's like a 1960s. You know, make out point. You know, in the 60s, they drive up on the to the uh, the place. You know? Come <laughs> just, on, <laughs> the, the the place. All right, um, the place. Thanks for being here, Shay, and conducting research with us. Um, so I thought I ain't for, doing it with you. Well, you know, I ain't well, doing it with you. Mm-hmm. I do my own research by myself. All right, all right. Like, I solo. mean, like, huh. I'm, the ol- I'm the only male doing research in the room. Ah. Huh. All right. Um, now, Josh, uh, Joshua Fowler here is, of course, um, Joshua Fowler is here, of course, from Michigan. Now, Josh, I'm adding a plot twist to the story, okay? This is the first intro ever with a plot twist. All right, this is a revolution Thanks for, for all podcasts. It. God damn it. Ah. <laughs> it's going to bug me the whole way, getting to that plot <laughs> twist. Oh. Well, you know there is a the twist, twist, Josh. What's- 
But yeah. what is it? Yeah, there you yeah, go. It's like watching so, any the, Tarantino film. Mmm. Mm, okay. Yeah, that's what you know, that's where the inspiration comes from, right? Too much Night Shyamalan. Uh, now, Josh, here's the plot twist. Josh was the pilot that took down Fish. The ace pilot. Josh was also the commander that found Shay's mech when he slowly removes his helmet and, and, and yells to another member of his team, somebody come clean this mess up. All right? That's Josh. And I thought that'd be fitting for you, Josh. How does that sound? That works. That works. Um, I thought it'd also be fitting if the person that you yelled to come clean it up was me. I come scurrying in to clean up. <laughs> to clean up the mess. Just smiling the whole time. Yes, yes Commander Josh. Yes, yes sir. Way, master. <laughs> yeah. Yes, 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 sir. Yes, sir. Right away. Um, Just breathing oh, I don't think I deeply the entire time you're sitting there scrubbing down that cockpit. <laughs> Just breathing in the fuck fumes. The alien fuck fumes. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. Damn. <laughs> Josh, you sold you sold it. I like that. You got into it. You sold it with conviction. He, he, um, he gave you the template of humor, and Josh, you valiantly ran away with it. Yeah, I'm so proud of you. Good job. That's all I'm here for. I'm just trying to set up. Um, I'm just setting up the tee so you guys can hit the home run. All right, that's my goal. You um, are a facilitator, now, if you will. Yes, yes. Setting up the alley-oop, if you will. Um, now, also, I'm cleaning, and I went through the obliterated remains of Fish's mech, and I found the burnt, charred picture of Olivia Munn. Shoved that in my pocket for later. So, you know, I'm, I'm all, I'm littered throughout this story in, in a different... <laughs> Fish is jealous. I just laugh at Fish's burnt corpse, and I, I take his, his pride and joy. Um... No, that sounds a little morbid, but you know, <laughs> it is what I'm it is. always said mechs are like a box of chocolates. Mm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, by the way, I'm Morgan Barnes from Montana. I will say this: I had this realization last night. I was, <laughs> I was watching uh, a sh- the Shape of Water, and it's come full circle in society as good for our podcast. It's an excellent movie, by the way, Guillermo del Toro. I can never say his name right. Guillermo? Guillermo? How do you guys say it? Guillermo. 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 Okay, thank you. See, Guillermo. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's how <laughs> I try to say it. Yeah, it's Guillermo. Quesadilla. Guillermo. <laughs> Chalupa. <laughs> uh, uh. Uh, tortilla. Um... God damn it. <laughs> that's, that's actually a callback to one time in the podcast previously where you did call a tortilla a, a tortilla because you did yes, do that. Yes, mm-hmm. yeah, that's, that was the that's joke. a good callback. I'm proud of you. That was a good, that was the joke. Yep. Um, but I noticed because we've been joking about fish having sex with things and they have hermaphroditic fish. It's our podcast has all been about different forms of fish sex since we've conspired. And yet, this movie, which won Best Picture, you know, culminates in many ways. With a scene in which a woman, a mute woman, has sex with a fish. And they actually describe it in graphic detail later on. How do you feel about that, Fish? Um, it's one step for our fish kind, I guess. <laughs> what's, mm-hmm. One step for fishy kind? Never happened before. <laughs> no. Quite right. <laughs> actually, you know what? I've recently saw a video of uh, a dolphin trying to have sex with you uh, saw that? scuba divers. Yeah, yeah you saw so, that? Uh, <laughs> Not just trying, 
not just it, trying. It like, All right. It was like two minutes. Of that, that dolphin, dolphin eventually got there. Mm. Oh, on my way. Mm-hmm. Man, I, got, I guess the video ended before I got there. <laughs> Fish didn't make it past the first thirty seconds. That's about how long he lasts. <laughs> hey oh, hey oh. Wow. Well, I'm done. May as well turn it off. Thanks, Pornhub. <laughs> I've seen all I need to see. My imagination can do the rest. <laughs> oh God! Walked right into that one. Yeah, um, I really. Really need to see the Shape of Water movie now. Oh, you do. You'll love it. You'll love it. They actually describe in detail how it works too. That is a strange movie, but it's it actually reminded me a lot of Bioshock. There's even a character named Z- so um, Guillermo del Toro. I was listening to him on a podcast with Ken Levine, who created Bioshock. Um, he is a really brilliant man, but um, he is really into video games. He talked about how much Bioshock had an influence on him, and you could hmm. see that in this movie because of the setting and like the opening scene is like underwater in this house, and it's just his video game influences are written all over this thing. So you guys should definitely check it out. Um, high recommendation. But anyways, let's get to the cool. show here. Now that we're all properly warmed up, the topic of the show is basically games that sound horrible on paper end up being really great much like the movie the shape of water a movie about a fish having sex with a woman doesn't sound too appealing but well i guess in some you want your fish to have sex with couches yes 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 as a general rule it's a lot safer less messier Mm -hmm. oh you would know it's a bridge in the evolutionary chain couches then you move on to human beings um explains that fossil (laughs) <laughs> the, fu- the couch fossil. <laughs> <laughs> Is that a fossil with a fish at a couch? Yeah, <laughs> old face fish. Yeah. <laughs> Getting around with the couch. And the Pier One employee running after you. Um, so <laughs> it's <laughs> it's uh, that's my favorite detail of that whole story. So, um, anyways, the the idea is video games that we were su- not necessarily just surprised by because you could say that about anything, but games that generally did not sound intriguing when you thought about them or looked at them on paper, but they're actually great. Now, my example that started this whole thing, I put it on the Instagram to kind of give it away, was Uncharted. Because Uncharted was always something I stayed away from. I'm like, oh god, this main character, Nathan Drake, looks like a Abercrombie and Fitch model, really obnoxious. You know, it's inspired sort of by like the National Treasure films, which are just hot garbage in all capacities. It's a generic treasure hunting thing. It looks like it's got too much action, which is like, I generally dislike those kind of movies and video games if they're not done really well. So, Nothing about it looked appealing to me. And then when I played Uncharted 3 and Uncharted 4, it blew my mind. Because I had no idea they'd execute the, the characters and make them feel so real. And that the production values would just crush everything else in the industry. And that the... Um uh, and you, because you cared about the characters, it, may, it sold everything else in those games. So that was the first example that actually inspired this topic. It just The Uncharted games to me are the best example of something that I think sounds awful to me on paper. And ended up becoming some of my favorite games. Um, what about you, Josh, when you started thinking about this, what, what kind of came to mind for you? I can kind of think, I, I can see that with the Uncharted, because that's, mm-hmm. again, like, people have been trying that ever since, you know, um, uh, you know, Raiders of the Lost Ark, and, uh, yeah. you know, even themselves have had a hard time recreating that, so, yeah. Yeah, seeing a video game company take a stab at it is, yeah, doesn't inspire confidence. But yeah, they've they've mm-hmm. done a good job with it. Um, don't you? If you don't mind me interrupting you real briefly, Josh, isn't it weird that some of the best storytelling maybe ever in our medium, at least from a character perspective, is done in a storyline that would generally in Hollywood be like the worst example of that? 
Yeah. Well, I don't know about best storytelling. It's definitely up there, but but yeah, the best it, characters, most realistic characters. Yeah, some of the most. Yes, some of the most realistic characters are definitely in there. There, that is getting better though. That is characters mm-hmm. have in in recent years have become much more real. Um, yes, yeah. we've had good characters before, but they were hardly what you'd call real, and they're 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 there now. Um, yeah, uh, when the first game that came to my mind, um, even though. Kind of like you, it's not that it's a horrible idea in general, but just to me, it sounds like there's absolutely no way they're going to pull it off, mm-hmm. was Overwatch. Yes, a, that's a good one. It's a mm-hmm. team-based shooter by a company who's never made a shooter before. Like, yep. that That sounds like the worst possible idea. And I've been in love with yeah. that game for years at this point, so... Um, I mean, that was, that was the first thing that came to mind, but, um, yeah, I don't know. I've got a few, few games that have just kind of snuck up on me like that. Um, I mean, Overwatch was the most recent one, so that one stuck out, but, uh, Katamari Damashi was, it sounds absolutely ridiculous. It's a Mm -hmm. game about rolling a ball. You, Mm -hmm. you roll a ball. ball. Until it becomes a little bit bigger, so you can roll a ball some more. It mm-hmm. sounds absolutely horrible, and it's one of my favorite games of all time. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's yeah. That premise is yeah crazy in any realm. Mm-hmm. Um, but you can almost make a case though, Josh, because it's a video game. You'd be like, you know, if there was an, if there's a way for this to work, it's gonna be <laughs> in our in our medium. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm glad you brought Overwatch. I I really agree with that one. What about you, Shay? Um, there were two main ones that came to my mind. There's a more recent choice, and then there was a um, kind of one that really, I think, was pivotal for me. The The most recent one was actually Wolfenstein 2. Um, I did not expect to like that game at all. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, and then when I when I actually played it, I was like, that's a pretty decent game. You know, I was, I was fairly surprised at... Um, you know, how much I enjoyed the controls because, you know, I had heard from you guys that basically it was old school mechanics, which sounded good in theory, but, you know, I, I didn't know if it would be good. It would hold up now. And, uh, the, the story was quirky and in a, in the best way possible. And, um, it, it really, it, the gameplay itself is what resonated with me most. And it harkened back to a lot of um like medal of honor games that i used to play back in the day so it makes sense mm-hmm. when considering nostalgia but just it didn't it didn't really appeal to me like when when we discussed we were going to play that game i was like yeah whatever but i ended up really liking it um the other major one that is a much older game that i did not think i would like was actually final fantasy 7 um oh wow I remember, okay i remember when my uh when my father um had bought the um the the PS1 and i was mm-hmm. playing battle arena toshinden and crash bandicoot and um my dad's like oh i'm borrowing this game from one of my coworkers called final fantasy 7 and i remember looking at the cover and i must have been a, the stupidest kid in the world because i was like this looks like a game about helicopters I don't know why I thought it was helicopters, but I was like, 
<laughs> this game looks fucking terrible. Uh, and um, I didn't want to play it. And then I sat down and watched him play it a little bit. And I was like, eh, it doesn't really seem fun. You just walk around a bunch. And then I actually played it. And it was really, really good. So obviously yeah. the rest is history. But uh, that game really kind of shaped... Um, like opened up a whole new avenue of video games to play for me because up till that point it was Sega Genesis. It was these like kind of action oriented, uh, play the game for a half an hour and turn it off. But this game became mm. so much more. So yeah. I, I think that's a good example because we all have games from our childhood that probably did that for us. Uh, Cause I think like most children and I'm not going to speak for everyone, but I'm going to, I am actually, I'm going to speak for everyone. Sorry. Um, I feel like there's a point where you, the, the RPG like that, the classic sort of JRPG looks ridiculous to you. You stand still, you wander around a lot. There's a bunch of reading. It's like the opposite of anything a kid would want to play. And then there's that moment with you, it was seven with me. It was eight where it just clicks and you, and you just like come of age in a way. So I think it's good. Yes, yes, exactly. It's, it's so pivotal in shaping kind of like that next generation of gaming for people who grew up during that time, because it was like, there were RPGs, but they were not that intensive to us in the West at that point. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And you have to, it takes a definitely a bigger level of patience to, to get into that as a kid. So it's a good transition for, for you to um, your next level as a, as a gamer fish. What about you? Like when you start thinking about this topic, things that, you know, did not sound appealing to you at all on paper. Um, I mean, I know not to go back to uncharted, but I know I had to convince you pretty heavily to try uncharted. Cause you kind of were on the same wavelength mm-hmm. with me. Yeah, yeah, I definitely tried the first and second Uncharted games, and within, I think, the first four hours of the first one, I was done with it, and I gave the second one a try, and I think within the first hour, I was like, uh, I'm done with this game as well, and it it wasn't until four uh, dropped that I eventually got into that series and uh, grew appreciation for um, that series, I guess. Um, Yeah doesn't mean i want to go back and play the first one but like if there was ever an inkling to actually go back and play it um uh it, it'd be a little bit more enticing i guess like but yeah at this point it's old just to see me. where it came from but you know mm-hmm. nah, it was yeah. time for that shit definitely not fish uh definitely not me no <laughs> uh uh actually no when uh when you first brought up this topic i thought of uh Back when I was a kid, and Pokemon was a big thing, and Pokemon cards uh, came along, um, I I've never played a card game up until then, and even collecting p- the Pokemon cards, I didn't really play them. I just wanted to collect them. It was kind of like, it was kind of like a addition to playing the game, where you were just collecting rare stuff. Um, yeah, so- got to catch them all in card form. Exactly, yeah. And uh, when I found out that they were coming out with a card game in the um, a Pokemon card game uh, for the Game Boy, I was like, oh, that just sounds weird. Like, how's that going to play out? It's a Pokemon game. But it being a Pokemon game, I was like, I, I was cu- curiosity got the best of me, but I, I, I'd never actually played card games. It never really enticed me to, you know, play, sit down and play with cards. But uh, mm-hmm. In game form, it actually worked really well because everything's streamlined. Everything's kind of um, done for you as far as math goes and everything. And 
Um, it's just easier to go with, jump into. <laughs> do that math for me, please. I don't want to deal with that shit. <laughs> that, that could be the time consuming thing yeah. about uh, card games is, you know. Gotta get your counters and your tokens and dice and you. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Especially in Magic, um, which mm-hmm. uh, after playing the actual real Magic card game with you back in our apartment days, uh, going back and whenever they. Wizard of the Coast came out with Magic the Gathering for consoles. I got heavy into that as well. Yeah. Um, but yeah, card games were... It was like a gateway just, drug, that Poke- That Pokemon card game for the Game Boy was good. That was a good game. Yes. You could buy like booster packs in that game and stuff too, if I remember mm-hmm. right. Yep, you got booster packs for like defeating uh, gym leaders. Um, yeah. Mm-hmm. And I think you could also like... I think there was something... That, I'm pretty sure there was like some form of grinding in that game where you can get all the uh rare pokemon cards um but yeah i i devoured that game it was first just the first played... set of pokemon so there wasn't that many pokemon cards sadly right yeah yeah but it was still interesting to see yeah, like yeah. what kind of pokemon what kind of abilities they decided to put on there and what they would do in in the card battles and whatnot um it was very oh. strategic yeah mm-hmm. yeah i don't quite remember the story i don't think it was very story heavy no. but that's it. Um, we traced it back. The card packs that have taken over video games now, it all started right there. The Pokemon TCG, the, the Game Boy Color game. That was the first. I wonder what the first game is ever that you could buy card packs in. That's what I want to know. Yeah. yeah that, if that's you, if you're a listener and you know the answer to that, email us at swordchomp at gmail.com. <laughs> we, we would love to know the answer. Um. Anyways, yeah, sorry, Fish, that's a, that's a good one. Because you just yeah. thought, you know, that was probably your first, did that, like, burst your, pop your card game cherry at that point? You had never played a card game before, you said, so. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, definitely did. I think I was, like, 12 or 13 whenever I played that game. Um, Man. And thoroughly that's a good point, it. though, because everyone had Pokemon cards, but nobody played the Pokemon game. Yeah. <laughs> just yeah. had the cards. Uh, which is kind of funny. Yeah. yeah um that's a good one you know two other quick one, other ones i had here the into the breach game we're going to talk about later actually <laughs> actually inspired this topic as well a little bit because um it's if you told me there was like a roguelike strategy game that's so brutal that when you die you have to start the game over and over and over again i would have been like fuck that genre was already hard enough for me uh get me the fuck out of here and i love that game so that's a good example that actually inspired me to remember that i wrote wrote this topic down several weeks ago and then i threw it at you guys um cuphead was another good example for me personally i'm not gonna lie i thought i hated like the look of that game before i played it i was really judgmental about it because i think like the 1920s and all that stuff is like real gross to me like i told you guys this before but i can't even eat i couldn't even eat at a subway when i was a kid because they used to have those black and white subway pictures in the subway restaurant. And it would freak me out. Like old stuff freaks me out. I can't deal with it. It gives me anxiety. Um, I completely so, forgot about that. <laughs> wow. It was, yeah. So my mom That's would weird. always, I'd always have to get my sub, which was an Italian BMT with pickles and mustard. And then I'd be like, Mom, can we get the hell out of here, please? Because I can't eat in this restaurant. And she'd be like, All Hang right, on. fine. Hang on. You get their best sub, and then you put pickles and mustard on it. When I was a kid, when I was a kid, okay. I, All right. I ruined it. Yeah, yeah. All right. I wouldn't do that. All right. Just, um, what's, what's the right condiments for that, Josh? It's Italian, so you've got to... Banana peppers. You've got to go yes. Italian with it. You I get agree with that. spinach and onions and tomatoes. Mm-hmm. Yes. And, yeah. and uh, Banana some sort of vinaigrette. Um, Banana peppers? Usually, depending on which me. vinaigrette they have, usually Banana just, peppers? just a vinegar. 
and then some jalapenos and some banana peppers. Banana peppers and there we go. All right, finally we got olives. it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, all the yeah, good yeah. stuff. Just yeah, ooh, black olives like are fully fully yeah, Italian yeah. by the time you're done with it. And then lots of oregano. They say black and, olives are the pepper. devil's shit pellets, Josh. You got to stay away from those. Never heard that before. When I go to Papa John's, I'm always like, please, black olives off my pizza. Um, no, but I, I agree with you, Josh. I was a kid. I did gross things at the time. My my palate had not formed. So, oh, explain that two list sentences, used to have. one succeeding what? the other sounds very, very, very wrong. <laughs> what? Wait, I used what to do gross sentences? things as a kid. My palate hadn't fully developed. <laughs> huh. uh, well, huh. leave that to your imagination. So it's a lot grosser now. Is that what? Is that what you're going with? <laughs> My palate has no bounds. <laughs> um. But I, the, the moral of this whole story is that Cuphead blew my mind because I didn't expect the execution and, and the vibrancy of the art style and just the charm of it. And then the gameplay itself did not think it was going to be appealing and I fell in love with it because I hadn't played a game of like a running gun shooter since I was a kid. I was playing like Jurassic Park 2, The Chaos Continues on Super Nintendo. So like, you know, it had been a while. Um, mm-hmm. But those are the main examples that stuck up. Was there any other examples? Actually, you know what? Um, and if you guys think of any that you really want to mention, feel free to. But I want to roll around and read a couple of the amazing comments from our Instagram community, at Swordchomp on Instagram. We do a question of the week every Thursday. And I will. Uh, we try to take some comments that people leave and read them on the show and discuss them. Um, the very first one was, that was left, uh, pop the comment. Oh, I had too much cherry popping today. I'm sorry. I take it all back. Um, T and underscore vagabond said Mario, of course. A plumber jumps on pipes and little animals to save a princess. That sounds so strange. Um, which yes, if you break down Mario on paper, it sounds fucking absurd. Um, and yet in the context of a video game, this is the only way that could <laughs> could ever ever make sense. Uh, so good comment. Um, but if, uh, Shay, did you see a comment on the Instagram that stuck out to you, my friend? I did. Um, there's this, uh, uh, user by the name of Professor Layton. Oh, no. He posted, I love fish, which I think is probably the nicest thing that anyone has ever put on our Instagram. So, uh, yeah. thank you, Professor Layton. Yeah. Oh. Fish sounds great Thank on paper, you. but in real life, eh, I don't yeah, know about that. Yeah, it's, it's a brave thing to say on the internet. Yeah. <sighs> yeah. Let's get this. I'm, I'm blocking this Professor Layton guy. Hold on. <laughs> yeah, probably a good idea. <laughs> He's up to no good. Um, okay, real answer, Professor. Oh, real answer? Well, then I'm going to have to look. Give me a second. <laughs> God damn, that was... <laughs> when the joke answer goes too far, what about you, Fish? Um, I didn't like this game, but, um, <laughs> I wanted to read it anyways. Uh, uh, Edemic Mike one wrote, uh, mine would be Stardew Valley, a farm sim game that should be found on Facebook, but really is an enjoyable and profound game, especially since everything has been done by one person with no previous programming experience. I'll admit like that game is very popular, but it just didn't stick with me like it had it it had its charm and i don't know like the simulation of it it just showed itself too soon to me to where i was just kind of turned off by it and there wasn't that much of a charm to the game that hooked me josh loves that game i think aren't you a big stardew valley fan josh uh i get got into it a decent amount um i don't know i was never 
in into it, but like, yeah, I enjoyed it. I probably played a lot of people dozen hours or so. A lot of people get in into that game. It didn't hook me either, but I do agree. The beginning was profound. It had that cool story about that um, that character who was stuck in their you know cubicle life and they just wanted to get out in the world and and be free. Um, mm-hmm. And they're like they think their grandfather died or something, and they gave him their their little farm. Um, I think the only reason it didn't hook me is because the setting was just a little too bland. Now, if it was like a science fiction farm, and I, now now we're talking about if I could plant weird, like, you know, No Man's Sky, yeah, that's that's my world. Um, yeah. But I still think it's... You need to grow some tentacale. Yeah, tentacale, you mm-hmm. know. That's what Shay had in his cockpit, tentacale. Um, but I think it's a great, I think it's a great answer from Epidemic Mike. I think a lot of people would agree with that because if you said... Although, even though if you said a farm sim game wouldn't be that exciting, most some people might say, what about Harvest Moon? They might be like, look, these games are pretty popular, and that's not too far of a stretch. Just play Devil's Advocate. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, Shay, do you have a, uh, did you find one? Yes, I did. You Would you like to read it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm just kidding. Yeah, so Batzak uh, said, exactly, Fortnite didn't do anything for me. That tension in PUBG? Nothing else like it, which um, the reason why I picked that one is because, A, I didn't think I would like Fortnite either, and I ended up really liking it, but also I kind of picked it because of the fact that um, it, it, uh, like, it's such a controversial thing on the internet. Like People actually get into arguments about which game is better, and so I thought it was kind of interesting um, that there were people kind of agreeing for once um, actually on our Instagram that one is maybe better than the other, or maybe one is uh, not, one is not as good as the other. So it's, and it's interesting too, because actually a ton of uh, my Japanese students actually play PUBG and they love it. So it's, it's uh, pretty interesting that uh, it's actually a worldwide phenomenon. And even so that they, I think they just announced that, um, Fortnite is uh, like the cross-platform now that PC players um, and Xbox players, or no, wait, that's PUBG, yeah, sorry. PUBG can be played between Xbox players and PC players now as well. So it's just like yeah. so mm. much is mm. happening with these games. <laughs> Sounds like a great reason not to ever play on Xbox again. Mm. Well, for some people, they don't understand this, Josh, but for some people, console is just easier, okay? It's just easier to get into. Yeah, and you're going to get completely fucking smoked by everyone with a mouse. Well, that that's probably true, unfortunately. Yeah. Um, did you find a comment here that you wanted to read, Josh, or do I need to stall for you? Um, the two that they mentioned were interesting. Um, excuse me. Um, uh, I'm surprised that nobody put down, like, a, a racing game, like... Like, you, you know, race simulators, like, those, for me, like, all those hyper-realistic racing type of games, um, I think, like, Dirt, um, that don't have, like, necessarily an arcade feel, because that's, that's the one thing that really sticks out to me in, uh, in a good racing game, it's given it that arcade type of, uh, feel to it, where it's not too realistic, uh, just enough to where it, it looks great, um, but um, the, the controls are a little lenient as far as uh, actual driving in those games. Well, I mean, because in concept, though, I think the spirit of the question would be like something that sounds 
uninteresting on paper, but the next now you could just look at it on paper and say it's a racing game. Those have been proven to work before. So I mean, unless you just don't like racing games, that's a tougher. Well, yeah, I mean, if you're an adult and you have a driver's license, you pretty much play a video game in a way. But why would you want to go and well, sit down on your couch and play? A, it's very different. Come on, <laughs> sit down and it's drive. Very... You know, it, it sounds fucking weird. Okay, it, it sounds weird on paper. Okay. Like a simulation, okay. like a, a serious a racing sim. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Well, stay away from Gran, Tur- uh, Gran Turismo. Yeah. You'll, you'll hate it. <laughs> mm. Yeah. If you can find a copy of Gran Turismo 2, go ahead and do that and uh, skip everything mm. after that. So. Oh. Mm-hmm. Yeah, okay. I'm sorry. It's just the nostalgia. Or just skip the whole series. Club. There's that, too. Uh, yeah. Keep your keep your mind open. Here's a good example of the spirit of the question. Uh, as I stall for you, Josh here. Um, Got Game Guy said, so Square and Disney Interactive are going to make a game together called Kingdom Hearts. I was confused about this when I read this in Game, Infor- uh, game Informer. Sure, I'd enjoy games from both companies, but this new collaborative project did not sound good on paper. And that's a great example. Kingdom Hearts. Fucking Final Fantasy was going to mesh with Donald Duck and Mickey Mouse. That was fucking weird. And yet those games were really fun and great at the time and, and became really popular. So. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's so it. absolutely. Yeah. I, I was not excited I, I at don't all s- about kingdom hearts until I played it. That was, I don't see how that wouldn't be popular yeah. because it's mixing two very famous franchises together. Well, but think about the audiences. Mm. Yeah. Like, do I just well, I mean, want to see wanna. his beloved squall the, I mean, that's hulking the thing. and sulking the, next to Donald Duck? You know? Yeah. Or my beloved Mickey Mouse mm-hmm. swinging a keyblade? Doesn't make yeah. sense to me. Yeah. All, <laughs> those, all those poor, poor Disney characters shoved in to the sweaty hands of all those edgelords in their Final Fantasy mm. games. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Edgelords. I really like that term. <laughs> <laughs> do or do not. <laughs> I, I quite frankly, I don't know. I don't know. I'm torn on the mm. edge. Um, Josh, was there a comment on there that stuck out to you that you wanted to read? Yeah, yeah. Um, taking sides said, I remember so many people thinking Dead Space is going to be a subpar RE4 clone done yep. in space. Yeah, mm. but the game was actually a masterpiece. Which, yes, yes, absolutely. I was. Dead Space, the original Dead Space, was another one of those games that I just, yeah, I guess I'll play it. It's new, and ended up being really good because that that was yeah. not something I was looking forward to going into it because I mean, like he said, Resident Evil Four was so big that everyone tried to copy it afterwards. Everyone and ninety five percent of them did just a fucking terrible job. Terrible job, yeah. Terrible job. And then, yeah, Dead Space was so good that it kind of... Yeah, yeah clones was. are a good one, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I like uh, the TJ, the JT Cooper uh, had a good... He said, Metal Gear, you can't even understand what's going on after playing them. Now imagine the first pitch on paper, which is so true, which is why Kojima was his own boss and his own genius, because you can't sell that plot to anybody. <laughs> it's fucking batshit crazy. Um, so thank God, you know. Thank God sometimes it happens. Mm-hmm. Or we could just thank Kojima. I mean, that's true. Well, we could thank, you know, Konami for giving Kojima the... Somebody at Konami was like, you know what, guys? Let's take a chance on this guy. He's, 
He's talking about some weird fucking guy named Snake. It's true. Going on some mission. Somebody gave him a chance. Mm-hmm. And then somebody fucked him at the end, so. Yeah. Oh, that sounds hot. Fuck that guy. So, <laughs> that's how it always starts. Really? That's the Kojima getting fucked? That's a turn on for you? Isn't it for you? I mean, I, I'm down for anything Kojima, so I'm not... I'm not going to yeah. say no. Um, That's a sexy man right there. He's a very sexy man. He's very Got happy it. that his buddy, um, Guillermo del Toro, won the best <laughs> goddamn <laughs> ah! Guillermo. He was, very, he was very happy. Yes. <laughs> he was very happy that his friend Guillermo del Toro, who was on stage with him at the uh, Video Game Awards, won the best picture Oscar. So, Yay. That's, that's actually, that's a weird case where I think it's really good for the gaming industry to have someone who supports our industry so much that he's on the awards with Kojima mm-hmm. at the, the Video Game Awards win Best Picture. That's, that's huge, I think, big picture for our industry. I really believe that. Yeah. Yeah, uh, I agree with that. Um, a couple other cool ones here, and then we can move on, but these are too good not to read. Um, you've been Rickrolled. I agree with this 100%. He says, I would have to go with Catherine. A choice-based, almost dating sim story with not one but two Catherines with a block puzzle gameplay. Picked it up anyways and was not disappointed. Catherine on paper did sound fucking nuts. Um, uh-huh. And that was my game. Catherine, after so. you've played it, is kind of fucking nuts. But it's still yeah. really good. The good kind. Mm-hmm. See, the nuts... See, here's the thing. With I disagree with some of these people. And by the way, thank you everyone for your responses. When I say this, I say this respectfully, that crazy for me is never usually a turnoff. When I hear crazy, I'm on board. Um, it's usually the opposite, like with Overwatch, where you're like, oh, great, Blizzard's jumping into the first-person market. That's fucking, sounds awful, and it's great. You know what I mean? So, like, batshit crazy is usually a good thing for me. But, I, you know, to his point, that's a hard sell, uh, conceptually. Um, boy, <laughs> I feel like I'm missing, everyone's laughing at me at webcam, and I feel like I'm missing something. Uh, Border Jumper Mel, she said, um, how about the opposite? Destiny 1 launch. Great story on paper. Executed horribly. Mm. Oh, she's taking a shot at Destiny. Oh, oh. that actually uh, missed my list. Of I actually made a list of opposites as well. I figured, we'd, okay. I figured we'd get there. Well, <laughs> we did. We somehow got there. <sighs> That's a good point. Yeah. Like that, that story, Peter Dinklage will voice this character and... It's going to be this huge science fiction setting. And then it wasn't that the story was bad. There just wasn't a story. There wasn't a story. <laughs> there wasn't. Either. Yeah. Yeah. Vague and mysterious. Josh, you might be more familiar with this game. Victor Kwan said Guacamelee, a luchador hero in a Metrovania meets arcade beat em up style game. Mm. Um, I never played that, but he, he, I, because I still don't think it looks good, maybe that's my own fault um because it doesn't sound good to me on paper i find it hard to believe that i will love that game maybe i'm wrong yeah um it actually had a pretty good following after it came out um i've played probably about halfway through it but it never really hooked me i was not really in a metroidvania sort of a mood whenever it came out yeah you gotta be in the mood for that so but yeah what i played that was right around the time that we were seeing a lot of like Remember Shank? Remember that weird game mm-hmm. Shank that came out? It was like an action yeah. game. Yeah, yeah. and that, they decided to make period. another one, and then ever since then, they've actually made good games. I Shank was a weird time period where game, a lot of games had that Shot like slick. Fired. I, I thought the first Shank was all right at the time. I don't remember. 
You really liked it the first time, Morgan. I actually remember that. Did I? Okay. Yeah. I believe you. Yeah, Yeah, way, way back in the SPT days, we we had some fighting words (laughs) whenever Shake One came out. Yeah. Yeah. Shake One was not bad. Um, now this is one that I'm, I think I'm going to buy for you guys next week. Um, not, I don't know if you guys are going to be too busy to get around to it, but I have the money on steam. It's called the mummy demastered and it's got like a synth wave soundtrack and everyone's been talking about this game. So I'm thinking about just throwing down on it. Uh, dead was says, uh, the mummy demastered this sounded like it would be, um, this sounded like it wouldn't be considered for a try because it's actually tied with those horrible mummy movies. But it's a great game. Way Forward has created a great Metroidvania title with gorgeous pixel art and fun gameplay, and I hear the music is exceptional. Hmm. That on paper is a great example of something that should never be good. And everyone says it's good. It's like universally acclaimed. Hmm. Um, And and most people probably haven't even heard of it, so I'm going to buy that game. Maybe we could check it out. One thing I've noticed playing a lot of Donkey Kong lately in between Into the Breach is that Old school, like retro style games, are great palate cleansers. Like, if I'm playing something more modern or whatever that's more heavy handed, to just play something for 30 minutes that's a lo- like a lot more primitive and old school, it helps me kind of cleanse that, that palate. Yeah. <laughs> you have to focus on not dying yeah. a whole lot more yeah. in those older games and pretty much nothing else. So. And it's just like Twitch based and jumpy. And I just like the feeling of going to that. Um, cause the most, a lot, a lot of modern games, you don't get quite that feeling from, and they just have more of an emotional investment. So, um, Anth- Anthemus also agreed with you, Josh. They put Overwatch down. Um, this is a strange one, Shay. I wanted to run this one by you because I, I don't know how I feel about this one, but I wanted to read it because I want to get our community involved here. Captain HWK said the fallout series, a man adolescence wakes up in a bomb bunker and has no clue what happened, has to battle off giant roaches, finally finds his way to the surface. Um, having to be subjected to gang wars and radiation. With all that said, I own and play the entire series because though the concept seems stupid and unlikely to have replayability, it's sheer genius. Now, I think the concept sounds great. Giant yeah. roaches, radiation. Mean, that that does. I don't know. That sounds yeah. good to me, anyway. Um, yeah. Although nuclear fallout. Mm-hmm, I have no idea why this thought came to mind. Heads, Josh, giant roaches. Possibly. That would be nice. <laughs> Just giant, <laughs> giant roaches. The mm. biggest roaches, dude. Mm-hmm. Fucking so pothead. <laughs> Fucking pothead. I don't know why. <laughs> I don't know why. But just the thought of Carl from Aqua Teen Hunger Force, Force starring hey, as the main character in Fallout sounds yeah. amazing to me. That does sound really good, actually. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, be a great game, actually. As far as Fallout goes, I actually so. I'm going to say, because it, it is one of my favorite game series, uh, the newer ones. I actually have never played the older ones, but I'm going to say something that may or may not shock you guys. Um, when when uh, that game was coming to release, I was watching a few of the uh, trailers and whatnot with my friends, and it looked good. <gasps> but then the more I thought about it, I was like, <laughs> what? But then the more I thought about it, I was like, you're basically walking around in this dirty brown wasteland. So I pre-ordered it. I bought it the day of. I went to the midnight release, but I didn't want to play it. So I held on to it, <laughs> unopened, for a year. Oh my god, that's such a shame move. Oh god, I'm getting anxiety thinking about that. <laughs> yeah. That poor game. Yeah, and then finally I put it in. I put the game in, and um, that, yeah, that obviously all changed from there, because I was addicted to Fallout 3 for 
a month and a half straight. The psychology there, Shay, is fascinating me that you would be devoted enough to go to a midnight release and buy a game the second it comes out, only to take it home and not touch it for a year. Fascinating. That's, well, that, that, that was during the phase that I was really into Call of Duty as well. I would play Call of Duty oh, every no. day, or I would play Rock okay. Band every day. Um, so I didn't, I didn't really make time for other games during that time frame. This was actually right before we started the pod. Uh, well, I started doing the podcast with you guys. Um, yeah. So. Yeah, yeah, I know how that is. Mm-hmm. It's almost like someone I know that plays Monster Hunter all the time doesn't play anything else. Um, oh, shut up. We got- <laughs> Uh, I got a comment here from, this is an interesting one, Cornelius Phillips said, um, a series that thought sounded awful on paper would have been Tomb Raider, because that game is good if the story fails, falls into the Uncharted or National Treasure vibe, so he's kind of, he's kind of lumping in with Uncharted for me, but he's talking about the modern Tomb Raiders, because I asked him for clarification. Um, so, yeah. interesting. Interesting choice there. Let's see if I can find one more to close it off with. Um... So many, so many good comments here that I just really appreciate everyone jumping in. This is what I didn't understand. Ectological said um, Mega Man Legends, and I, I never really got the clarification on. Oh yeah, I did. He said it's an anime style open world Mega Man. It was destined to be terrible. Then I played it, and they are still some of my favorite games. Yeah. Time. Never played Mega Man Legends, so it's a it's a weird game. It's like very it's because I remember playing this like back in elementary school, and it's very anime esque. You don't expect it to be good at all. Because it's just mm-hmm. such a weird departure from what the other games were. And it actually is really, really fun. Um, it's just like one of those cult favorites by many people. It's, yeah. it's interesting and it's good. Uh, I don't know how else to explain it. So, But it's good. <laughs> is, is that the one with uh, Mega Man without a helmet on? Uh, yes. Yes, it is. Yeah, I think that, yeah, I never played it. but you see his hair. did look... Look interesting. Does he have really bad helmet hair from wearing a helmet all those years? He has like he, anim- he has like typical anime hair what's all like okay. spiked up cool yeah. and yeah. yeah. Well in his case it makes sense. It's been so repressed for all those years that he just wanted to shoot everywhere once he took his helmet off. So come on, yeah. Morgan, have some class. <laughs> what what? I don't there was nothing derogatory in what I was trying to he say. He wants to shoot everywhere? Huh? Yeah, he just wants to shoot it everywhere. That's Mega Man. Um Oh, speaking of Mega Man, uh, I did actually play, uh, I downloaded uh, Mighty Number no. 9 because it was uh, on the PlayStation Plus for free uh, this week, and that game is hot fucking garbage. Uh, <laughs> yes, it it's is. It's terrible. That's why it's for free. Man, uh, on, pa- on paper, I thought, hey, creators of fucking <laughs> Mega Man making their own game? Mm-hmm. That's almost like Mega Man? <laughs> Mm. is the controls on it is terrible like uh, what you do with enemies like you bring them down to like a certain health to where they get to a state where they are about to die and then mm-hmm. you have to dash through them to get health back and uh, some powers just a very clunky game poorly executed the controls is what held me I, I got to like the first boss which was like this I think his name was Inferno Man or something like that and could not beat him because of controls and as far as like learning his patterns or just it just felt so cheap um it's kind of the opposite of this whole topic that's a great way to close the topic because it sounded so good on paper that their kickstarter was funded and yeah. so horrible in execution yeah yeah that game I is had... 
lauded everywhere as being one of the worst games of all time, just because of the expectations versus the execution of it. Mm-hmm. If there's anybody yeah. out there that loves Mighty Number no. Nine, please write into swordchomp at gmail.com and tell us why you're the one person in the world that loves Mighty Number no. Nine. Please do. Because <sighs> you know they're out there somewhere. I'm the one person that loves No Man's Sky. They exist. Okay, so um, moving on here, I thought I want to save the Into the Breach topic for the end of the show because it's a it's a weird, obscure PC game, and I want to get to the nuts and the bolts with you guys. Um, so I want to save that to the end, which I know is a little different. Um, just in case it's people don't want to hear that stuff. We got some fun polls to get to and then the bio break. Um, I will say this. The polls this week were fucking awesome. I went crazy with them and our community did not disappoint. First up was sort of along the theme of the show. I asked people and I, I knew this was kind of a gamble, but I wanted our polls to have a weird twist to them. Right. I'm not I'm not in the business of being afraid. And I said the poll question was just simply this. I have secretly fantasized about piloting a mech or a robot. Don't judge me. 80% closed with yes. 80%. So that made me feel a lot better about myself. How do you guys feel about that? Wow. I wonder what's their, what's their choice of uh, mech. Is it uh, Gundam or... Gurnlogan. Uh, Gurnlogan. Mm-hmm. Oh, Grimlogan? What are you talking about? What's a Grimlogan? Gurnlogan. I don't know what that is. Uh, then you're not doing it right. Mm-hmm. Maybe I'm not hearing you pronounce it properly over the connection. I'm sorry. Gurren yeah. The two, two correct answers are Gurren Lagan and, you know, piloting one of the Avas. Oh, so okay. Those, okay. those are the I, two answers that uh, I, are acceptable. I, I li- what about Robotech? I think that started it all, didn't it? Yeah. Well, I mean, is that are you preaching for people like Yeah. Like, I mean, do you care about <laughs> Yeah. It's Gundam Fish. Remember Fish we used to sit on the playground and I was Epion and you were Gundam Wing and we'd jump around and slash each other like idiots and all the girls would never talk to us? Don't you remember that? Gurren we'd take off our belts and our pants would fall down and we just <laughs> That was my whip. Pecker says my, the whip. Yeah, my Epion whip yeah. was my belt, and then you grab a stick, and that was your sword for Wing Zero, and we jump around on the tables, yeah. fling mm-hmm. Gordettos at each other. It was a good time. Yeah, best time. Yeah, Epion for life. Um, yeah, I guess. The, the, I guess if ahead, you're Josh. a perv, then you could also pilot one of the Franks. Do you, <laughs> oh, that's a good one, Josh. You know the um. I, I don't think you get it, but sure. I'm just pretending to to make the show. There we go. Affability here. Yeah. Um. So, <laughs> damn it! How did Josh know? <laughs> he fucking knew it. <laughs> Sniffed it out. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know the near mechs are pretty cool because they can like, they can be normal mechs and then they can turn into like airplanes and then like yes. you know, all these different forms and stuff. So those ones are pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and like your bot, the androids is actually exposed to the open they're not in like a little enclosed cockpit uh which seems scary like if you're exposed in a way right yeah it's like paragliding but you're not you're inside of a mech you know it's like um uh the one thing i always do you guys remember this there was this game for xbox called steel battalion it had this giant mech controller it was hundreds of dollars and it was this controller that went around your entire body do you guys remember that and Hmm. if, if if you're listening to this right now Google Steel Battalion Controller. I'm going to Google it right now just so I can show you guys. And what it was was it was supposed to simulate 
what it was like to be in a mech. It had all these switches, like hundreds of fucking switches. It was the craziest thing that you will ever see. So if you're listening to this show right now, whatever you're doing, why don't you just stop and put Steel Battalion Controller into your Google and then click Images. And it will blow your fucking mind. This thing was going to be like a revolution. Here, I'm going to show it right here. I think my roommate had one of those in college. It, it looked like the used inside to play of a cockpit. MMOs. Yeah, you could do other stuff with it, but it looked like the inside of a mech cockpit. It had foot, wow. pedal, it had foot pedals and shit. Like, foot I'm not pedals, even kidding. Yeah, that's crazy. Um, the problem was Dude, the game was some crazy double bass in there. <laughs> play your rock band with your steel battalion controller. Um, it, it ended up being a, a complete disaster as far as the game goes, unfortunately. But the idea was there. And it sucks that I, those kind of things didn't work out because mm. that could have done some really cool stuff for the industry. But unfortunately, it was yeah. supposedly it was trash from, from the people that could afford it and play it. Yeah. And it was just. Well, that and the vibrating suppository is probably taking it a little bit too far. Mm. I mm. thought that was the selling point, honestly. Okay. <laughs> that was a selling point. <laughs> Actually, I think I think they sold those separately, and I just bought one of those. <laughs> <laughs> it was the accessory. Um, yeah, they're really good, too, because if you lose the suppository, which happens commonly, they will, re- they will send you another one. Uh, great customer service yeah. they had before they went yeah. out of business. I mean, the suppository you're not very likely to lose, but the dongle that connected it to the PC oh, was actually... That yeah. dongle. Yeah, that uh, dongle. The shape, too. Not, not a fan of the shape of that dongle. What year is this? <laughs> <laughs> 2001. Well, no, no, I can pull I up I definitely right didn't now. have That's any still... dongles in 2001. I can tell you that right hmm. now. Shay might be right on this. Uh, it came out I've sniffed in... sniffed out your lies. 2000... Yeah, 2002. It was... It was VR before VR was here, and that was their problem. Anyways... The fantasy, apparently, people agree with. They've had it. They've imagined themselves in that cockpit. Um, as nerdy as it sounds. Mech Warrior was a big thing when I was a kid. You don't hear about Mech Warrior anymore, but I had a friend who was just fucking all about Mech Warrior. Uh, and those games were, were huge PC games when I was when I was a kid as well. So, um, Anyways, thanks for indulging us in the, the Mech fantasy. We love you all, and you voted overwhelmingly that you guys are all nerds, and we love you. Um, Shay said that he can't get the Japanese Taco Bell right now, but down the road he will try to. His Taco Bell is two hours away, right, Shay? He's, he's nodding yes instead of talking. I don't know why. This is an audio program, but he's nodding anyway. Um, yes. Okay. Uh, he's probably... Anyways, um, he's probably busy playing Elder Scrolls right now on his phone. I'm but, actually, yes. I'm actually looking up the article right now, so we can talk about it. Oh, the meerkat thing. Okay. <clears throat> yeah. Well, guys, glad to know you're locked in. Okay, so he said in, um, he will be able to get some pictures of himself eating and showing the Japanese Taco Bell in a little bit. Um, now Fish is left for a brief moment, which is fine because we can talk about Donkey Kong, Josh. Now that oh, he's back. Okay, he's back. Damn it! I was gonna talk about Donkey Kong when Fish left, and he snuck oh, back okay. in. Huh. By the okay. way, ninety percent of our fans said they wanted to see that Japanese Taco Bell Shay, so we need to make this happen for them. Okay. No joke, dude. Um, I already talked about this with some friends last night. Uh, actually, some of my Japanese students. It's over two hours away. It's gonna cost me about thirty dollars, and and the two hours by train just to go eat shitty food. You are asking me to spend almost 60 
fucking dollars to go eat Taco Bell. Shay, I'm not asking you this. Hundreds of people that voted are asking you this. Okay, there's a clear <laughs> distinction. Well, you know what? It's not going to be soon. Sure. When I go, when I go to Osaka, when I want to go to Osaka, because that's where it's at. When I go, then I will take it. Well, I'll see, but listeners, I'll see what I can do. Let me talk to him. We'll talk to him off the show. We'll see what we can do. I'll try to sweeten the deal a little bit. You know, we'll see. What we can. We'll get him a switch so we can play his switch on the way over there. Maybe a hot date, someone to talk to on the long train ride. Just help ease the pain. You know what I mean? I'm um, gonna join the. Uh, you could just play Elder Scrolls High Club. You could just play Elder Scrolls the whole way, which is probably what you're gonna do in your apartment for two hours anyway. You're not wrong. There we go. Um, think about it. Anyways, 90%. It's pretty high voltage. Now, Shay wanted us to... No, I, I, no, hold on. I teased the Donkey Kong. So this... I thought this would be a great poll because I was mystified when I found out that Donkey Kong Country 2, Diddy Kong's Quest, was not on the Super Nintendo Classic. And most people also were horrified that this was the reality. Now, 90% almost of our listeners also agreed with me that it's a shame and Donkey Kong Country 2 should have been on the Super Nintendo Classic. Um, I did some research into it. There's really no legitimate reason that people can find as to why it wasn't. It's just maybe a licensing issue of sorts um, because Donkey Kong Country was, the first one was on there. I think it was Nintendo just being like, let's not throw a sequel because there's no sequels on this Super Nintendo classic that I can think of, right? Other than Star Fox 2, which is complete garbage and infuriates me. Um, there's no other sequels on that thing. So I think it was more of a matter of principle. Um, mm. So. That's what I'm guessing. I never played Star Fox 2. I'm just talking shit. I'm saying it's abject garbage. Just talking out my asshole. I will say this. The fact that Star Fox 2 is on there, unreleased or not, and Diddy Kong's Quest is not on there? Fucking crazy. Did you guys know? I got some facts for you. Ready for this? I looked up the best-selling Super Nintendo games. Are you ready? Best-selling Super Nintendo games of all time. Of course, number one is Super Mario World, and number two is Super Mario All-Stars. Number three... Donkey Kong Country with almost 10 million units. Number four, Super Mario Kart. Number five, Street Fighter 2. Number six, Donkey Kong Country 2, Diddy Kong's Quest. It's literally in the top six hmm. selling games of all time. How is Zelda? Wait, did you say Zelda? No, Zelda's number seven. It sold more than Zelda, Link to the Past. Really? Wow. Yeah. Super Metroid? Super Metroid isn't even in the top... That's why Nintendo always has trouble supporting Metroid because they don't sell uh, as much as you might think, Fish. Super Metroid mm. is way... I don't even see it on here in the top 50. Ugh, that's too bad. Mm. It's not here. Oh, yeah, it is. the integrity 33. of that. 33. Wow. It's on 33. Damn. That is way down there. I will say this. The, the plot twist that shocked me, Donkey Kong Country 3, which was a, a lesser quality game, but still solid, number 10. Top-selling games of all time. Um, higher than Final Fantasy VI? Higher than... Uh, well, Final... after the first two, I can see it, but yeah. There's no way they would have sold any other after that one. So. Well, it would have been a lot harder, for sure. Yeah. I mean, it dropped in half. Like The industry was changing at that point. If you think about this, 1995, I was looking up the games that came out. That was a weird year. Like, the Super Nintendo was still a viable thing. 96 is when everything started to click and change, um, and that's when it came out. But um, it dropped from 
five and a half million units to three and a half million units. So it was just a kind of a changing of the guard. Anyways, I thought that was interesting because the sales would support this being on there. That's why I think it was a decision made for other reasons. I do want to say that I've been playing a lot of Donkey Kong Country 2, and it's exceptional. It's my palate cleanser. I've been sending you guys the music all week. The music is just one of the best soundtracks of all time. And the game is tough. I, uh, Josh, I got to that level today, the, um, the Bramble level, where you're shooting around in the thorns and the barrels. It's one of the most famous you know, levels mm-hmm. ever. And it's just as crazy tough as I remember it being. Um, but that game is... Here's the thing I will say to sum up this game in a few seconds as someone who is obsessed with the first Donkey Kong Country. It's the perfect sequel. But, be, but it very much feels like a sequel. So I get when people say it's their favorite of the two games because, like, my favorite Halo is Halo 2, but I still think Halo 1 is a better game. You know what I mean? Um, so if someone tells yeah. me they like Donkey Kong 2 more, I get it because it's incredible. But for me, Donkey Kong Country is more perfect. Donkey Kong Country 2 is darker, it's weirder, it's harder, it's stranger, but it doesn't feel as perfectly balanced uh, in tone as a as Donkey Kong Country one, or is balanced from a gameplay so um, level. Anyways, I will continue to play that, and maybe guys give you an update next week. I'm about halfway through that game. It is incredible. I highly recommend people go back to it. It's a lot of fun because they got rid of Donkey Kong. He's the slower of the two, and you play mm-hmm. the girl Dixie. Or I'm sorry. Um, yeah, Dixie, yeah. and she floats and she's really like slender and picks stuff up and throws it and diddy kong's fast and slender too so there's no big hulking slow thing so the game has like a faster pace to it yeah they leaned more into the control differences instead of the combat differences which was never it never worked out well in the first one where certain enemies you had to attack completely differently depending on whether you had donkey kong or diddy kong out that was not really Mm -hmm. a thing in donkey kong 2 and so it made yeah. enemies when you encountered them. It wasn't, oh, which person am I controlling? Trying to figure out how to react to them. You just reacted to them. So, yeah. Yeah, that's true. And the uh, the bosses are way more intricate and interesting this time around. Like, they yeah. took a lot of the feedback from the bosses, and they did a great job. And um, the last thing I'll say is the only thing about the game that feels weird is there's this coin system in the game that is kind of flawed and broken and typical sequel thing where like in order to fly different places and to save your game multiple times, you have to have a certain amount of coins and you collect the coins in the levels, which is fine, except you can just break the game and go back and play the same levels over and over and collect the coins. So it's just a silly way of gating you off. Yeah. Well, I mean, they kind of do that in the first Donkey Kong too. I mean, the first level in that game a run through gets you about 10 lives. So they obviously knew you were going to yeah, play yeah. through the fucking first level over and over again anytime you started getting low on lives. So, I mean, it was. Yeah. Yeah, Fish must have played the opening level 100 times trying to get enough lives to get through that, uh, that cannon level. So. <laughs> you just. No comment? Yeah. Oh, no. That's true. Okay. Still didn't make it through that cannon level. Never will. Well, there's a cannon level in Donkey Kong 2 where it's literally thorns and like cannon, nothing but barrels everywhere and bees and tight spaces. And yeah, that sounds fucking fun. It's great. It's a good time. Mm. It's the Mm. pinnacle. It's the pinnacle of those games, man. I'm telling you. Oh, is it really? Mm hmm. Um, anyways, that game is incredible and it is everything you'd want a sequel to be. So. Still holds up in my view. Been playing that, and uh, thank you for everyone who voted. 
Because a lot of people message me on Instagram and they're like, man, you posted the music from this game and it's fucking bringing me back. And I'm like, thank you. That's, that's what I aim to do here. Um, vent a little bit. So the other poll, uh, we've been watching this show called Love, a little bit me and Shay. We could say this briefly. Surprisingly, the poll came back on the show Love in the negative aspect. I asked, because my, this is my, my girlfriend or my fiance's favorite show. It's Love on Netflix with Paul Rust and Gillian, um, I think it's Jacobson. I don't know if I forgot her name. Um, it's an incredibly well-written show. It's on its third and final season on Netflix. And I basically asked people if they thought the new season was fan-fucking-tastic, and they said no. 55% of our audience said no. My fiance was very sad to read that. Um, how do you feel about that, Shay? Our um, expert. Parts of it were really, really good, and then parts <laughs> of it were kind of uh, laggy, I guess would be the best way to say that. Um, I, I don't know, man. Uh, uh, I don't know how I feel about it, to be honest with you. Like, it's not very memorable, is the best way I can put that. Really? Well, you watched it in two days, though. That's pretty intense. I, I did because I wanted to be done with it. But it just, like, here, here's how, I mean, like, if you guys don't want to listen, there's going to be a few spoilers. So, um, it literally will be spoilers to how the end goes so if you don't want to listen don't listen um but i don't like how they kind of tied up um the 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 end of i'm spacing her name not mickey but the australian girl her roommate birdie birdie i don't really birdie thank you i don't like how they tied up the end of that where it just like felt like like it was cute how they were building up the her and the other friends uh kind of relationship and they were giving him more storyline and it just felt like that should have been a season ago because then that could have developed into a more interesting storyline and maybe what ended up happening was they were developing it for more of season four i guess and then they found out that they were being canceled i don't know but i thought that before they went into making season three that they had already known that this was going to be the final season. So it just felt yeah. like well, they're they building... the show is really popular. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Go ahead. No, no, go ahead. I was going to say they said the show was really popular. They were choosing to end it uh, out of their own accord, feeling like they just wanted to creatively end it while it was still um, thriving instead of waiting till it's waned out, you know? Yeah, 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 yeah. It's, it just, it felt like parts of it were kind of like hap haphazardly, thrown together i guess is the best way to put it um like th because like then the the like this is how much i remember the big the big former boyfriend that she ends up cheating on like it's interesting because it, it's like he starts finally in this season like developing more as a character and becomes more interesting and he's finally trying to you know do things like he's cooking and he's trying to work and then they just kind of throw all that away because birdie ends up you know leaving him and then the last thing he says is like he has some weird speech at the um initial wedding wedding ceremony yeah. and then yeah. that's the last we see of him and then that's the last we see of birdie and the other guy as well and it's just like oh well yeah. okay and then the doctor um who was initially Mickey's boss and then Mickey in a way becomes like you know she gets ultimate karma and like becomes not his boss, but like becomes his superior in terms of career. Um, 
basically like his story ends in a weird way. It, it feels like there's no resolution to that. It just feels like there are a lot of unresolved pieces by the end. And then what the, what the final reveal ends up being, there was just no payoff for the end of that, which is, is fine. I mean, it's, it's like a subtle ending and it's, I guess it's redeeming in that way that it's subtle and it's cute, I guess, but I don't know. I just, it, it just was there. Like the first two seasons were really well, the, good, the, and the third third season culminated into something that was just very meh for me. I it's hard. I actually liked how the the because her Birdie's boyfriend was such a trash human, and I loved how they showed that even when he was trying to be nice, it just came off so pathetic. Like when she comes home on her birthday, and she had had that great night with Chris, and then she comes home, and he's just like he had cooked a uh, a cake for her. But and lit a bunch of candles, but he just sits there and tells her, he's like, yeah, I lit a bunch of candles because I took a poop and it smelled like shit in here. Like, even when he tried to be nice, he was like just a fucking train wreck. And I thought it's they true. did such a good I, I just wish like because they were it felt like they were trying to give him some form of redemption and then they would just take it away every time. That's I think that what they that were trying sense. to do is just. Yes. And I think that what they were just trying to show is sort of like. Whether you like it or not, this show is just more about real. One thing I've always loved about the show is it's very realistic, and it doesn't follow a lot of traditional plot arcs. So even though it's a little lackluster, and this is the last thing I'll say, is just it took a natural flow, but it didn't peak and valley in the same way a traditional show or sitcom might, and that might leave people feeling a little bit empty. But it was very realistic. I thought the flow of everything happened organically and naturally, um, and I appreciate that, even if the ending was a little bit unsatisfying. Yeah. 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 I I mean parts of parts of it like you're saying felt very organic and other parts of it were just like it felt like for the sake of being different um it wasn't as such because that's that's the the best part about the first two seasons is it's such an organic show it feels like you know these are people I would experience in my everyday life and then the third season just felt like caricatures of that because like the relationship between uh, uh, Mickey and um, Gus just felt so fucking cringy. Just like their their yeah. their relationship was just very cringy. And um, but that's I, love I though. That's when you because that's Josh. You're gonna no, say that's, so. that's, that's a trap that a lot of narratives fall into now. Oh, let's make everything real. It's so realistic. And by the time you're done you end up with characters that just fucking suck because the writers think, oh, people suck. This is what my characters have to be. Like, it, it, well, I mean, watching people be in love is pretty gross. I don't know if you've ever seen it, Josh, but watching other humans in love is gross. <laughs> it just why is. the fuck would you watch it? I, well, I mean, that's a fair <laughs> point, but um, that's the conundrum, right? I think you just talked yourself out of your argument. I, okay, my answer to you would be, if, the, if that was the only part of the show, I, I agree with you, Josh. I actually found it cringy at times. I mean, my girlfriend were talking about that and she was like, it's just real. I like it. And I'm just like, I agree with that. But that there were still other things centering around the relationship that I thought were interesting. But yes, once they hit the point in their life where they were good, after the first two seasons, it became kind of hard to watch. Hmm. <laughs> um, that's tough. That doesn't necessarily mean it's bad writing or a bad show. It just means like, do you really want to watch that? That's like a deeper question. <laughs> and why don't we like to watch that? You know? Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Like it, it, it's popular now, but it doesn't mean it's good. That's I've, I've noticed that trend all over the place. Just 
just everywhere. Like you end up with shows that are just, you know, populated by 100% asshole. Like just all the characters by the time the shows end up being over. So, yeah. It just gets, yeah. Gets a little yeah. old. Yeah, fair point. Um, anyways, uh, the the audience did not seem super impressed either, Shay, so they're with you. Um, the last question was an interesting one that Shay posed that I think will, <clears throat> sorry, I'm losing my voice a little bit, will transition us right into the bio break pretty well. Shay wanted me to ask the audience about how they felt about um, AI and if they felt like the humanity will be succeeded by AI. Um, now, originally we had posed the question as evolution, because if we create... Um, AI to a powerful level, would that be considered a form of evolution because it was created by us? But we changed the question to kind of make it a little more cohesive and understandable, maybe. And that's basically, <clears throat> if I'm understanding Shay, was do you think artificial intelligence will become our successors as humanity? So we will die off and they'll be left with nothing but AI. Is that correct? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or basically that <clears throat> will the AI uh succeed us and then basically they will be our caretakers as like some type of because the the thing is um as we talked about a few weeks ago with the biobreak article um i have a feeling that a, a great feeling that basically the ai will become sentient at some point they it will somehow gain consciousness we will f- somehow induce that whether on purpose or whether on accident and, or whether by accident and at that point, are they going to feel kind of like this obligation to take care of us? Kind of like we take care of um, animals now because, like, we came from monkeys. Obviously, we keep them in zoos and we, you know, we we try and give them, to, to the best of our ability, I guess some people, you know, try and take care of them while other people just don't give a shit. So, like, at that point, are they going to feel kind of this obligation to take care of us? while they are the dominating power on this planet? Or is it just like, is it a Terminator well, situation where they just destroy us? Or like, I think, what, I think the, the answer is, if, if, they're, if they are AI, Shay, to answer your own question, it has to be programmed to want to be obligated to help us <laughs> because we're creating the AI. So it depends on how they're programmed, right? They wouldn't have a sort of natural obligation like a human would unless they're programmed as such to care about us, which I assume we would do that because I don't think we would program AIs to be um, counterintuitive to our uh, continued evolution or existence. I don't know, man. Like if we are creating them, I would, I would theoretically think we would imbue them with our characteristics because, and I don't mean this in a like rude or derogatory way, but humans in effect want to leave a legacy um, because that's a part of humanity. So mm-hmm. we, you know, we want to create something, model it kind of as close to us as possible while also being a step above us. So I would think in theory that we would basically imbue these AI with characteristics very close to us. So, you know, maybe our emotional wiring or our thoughts in, in effect would be passed on. I I think it would come down to like a war between because the way we're program we're getting into the, I guess the the robotics and everything um is 
we're programming these robots to react to certain things um, and nothing more. Um, eventually, though, they're they're gonna have to write some sort of AI for them that'll um, essentially unlock uh, awareness of what's going on and awareness of their own selves. And um, I think uh, the humans will. I, I guess we'll find out um, that program. And um, I think it'll be something that'll be debated about um in our country um wh whether or not to imbue these robots that um essentially um cuz i i'd imagine we'll, we're going to be using robots um we're going to be working alongside them in the near future um i believe that um uh, but as far as like them having their own intelligence and um their self-awareness i don't think we're gonna essentially imbue that in them but i i think a lot of people eventually uh kind of take a a sympathy towards these uh robots the fact that they they work in for these corporations or whatever or work for people um eventually they're gonna be like oh, i i feel like these people these robots have uh certain rights and eventually it's gonna come down to a war between uh giving them ai to allow them to you know have that self-awareness but josh hmm? <laughs> you, you, you want to weigh in on this at all not really i will say this we'll probably all be dead before there's any enough ai to matter it's going to be some sort of cash catastrophe or yellowstone well i'll be dead um in theory before that all happens that's my that's my prediction if the ai doesn't get us the global warming will or sorry the climate change oh it's, it's all that vaping all that vaping is destroying secretly destroying the atmosphere we just don't even know it <clears throat> plot twist all right well josh if you don't want to weigh on it our listeners weighed in and they said yes so just barely 53 percent in the vote swung toward yes ai will be our successors so this also made me want to go watch the movie ai by steven spielberg which is a movie that i love uh, a lot <clears throat> a lot of people is. don't like it I, know. I like it i do back when Haley joel osmond was a Haley joel osmond was a thing um i think it's a good movie you just like the robo hookers <clears throat> didn't you I do like the Robo Hookers. Um, that was yeah. Jude Law is a Robo. Um, what is a man hooker called? A uh, gigolo. He's a man. He's a robot gigolo. So love Jude Law. I would watch him take a dump. Uh, can I take that back? I want to take that back. Um, <laughs> uh, shake your head at me. It's you're the one who likes Tom Cruise. Jude Law's way better than Tom Cruise. All right. Mm, no. no, he was Obi Wan Kenobi. No, you're. What no, the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> uh, I couldn't tell if you were serious yeah, I or not. The wrong thing. <laughs> oh wait, you were serious. Oh my. Oh. I was. <laughs> I, you, I just realized. Elon McGregor. Elon McGregor. Well, yeah, yeah, no, yeah. not a fan. You're of thinking of Elon Musk. <laughs> <laughs> mm, that's <laughs> wrong. But close. That, uh, 
That's all the polls, and they've been a lot of fun this week, helping kind of keep us afloat in what's a pretty slow week here. Um, BioBreak, pretty fun little article before we get to the Into the Breach discussion to round up the show. It's about meerkats, and Shay was inspired by all, all the Into the Breach we've been playing and strategy games in general. Now, I'll throw it to Shay here in a second, but the article is from ScienceDaily.com, and it's a, the title of the article is Meerkat Predator. Scanning behavior is altruistic? Research suggests. And the summary is, in order to spot potential predators, adult meerkats often climb to a higher vantage point or stand on their hind legs. If a predator is detected, they use several different alarm calls to warn the rest of the group. New research shows that they are more likely to exhibit the behavior, this behavior when they are young pups. Present, suggesting that predator scanning behavior is for the benefit of the group rather than the individual. So there's, they work as a team to sort of scan for predators, which is a really cool mentality, uh, high mentality kind of thing I assume going on. Anyway, Shay, you seem really excited about this when I brought up the article. Tell me more about it, my friend. Oh, you mean when I, when I decided we were going to talk about this article? You did, yeah. No, well, you? well, whenever I brought up the idea, my original idea, I wanted to do African dogs, and Shay was like, no, no, I really like meerkats. He had this huge meerkat boner, and he wanted to do a meerkat thing. Like, all right, let's do the meerkat thing. So <clears throat> tell me all about why you have the meerkat boner, and let's go from there. Meerkat boner, huh? Just keeps popping mm. up in unexpected places. <laughs> Always. No, it, basically the reason why I wanted predators. to... The reason why I wanted to pick meerkats over African dogs is because, uh, first off, uh, meerkats have really become popular in, like, nature shows over the past five, ten years. Um, so I'm sure a lot of you have heard about them. This article meerkat is five Manor. years old. That's true. Meerkat Manor. But um, <laughs> one, one of the things that I, re- I, I was thinking into the breach as I thought, or meerkats as I thought about into the breach was basically um you have these you have these meerkats who they don't breed both males and females only the strongest breed or the most uh uh what what what's the word I'm looking for not virulent but uh basically they have the best loins if you will I'm spacing the oh, uh, technical top term. loins okay okay um but the ones who don't they will basically dominate the loins yeah, sure. That we'll go with that. Uh, they're the most do- uh, the ones who are not the most dominant will basically be the sentries. And this article talked about how initially they thought they didn't know if it was for self-preservation or if it was for altruistic reasons. And this paper discovered that it is indeed for altruistic reasons. They um, what they are doing. Can I stop is you for bas- a second? Can you explain to the audience what the word altruistic means? That's exactly what I was going to do before you interrupted me. Okay. Um, what altruism is, is basically they are sacrificing or doing something for the greater good. They're doing it for the benefit of everyone. So in this scenario, they are being sentries not for themselves, but for the entire group. Because these, these uh, meerkats who don't breed actually will babysit, and they will be sentries, and they will go out and get food. So the most dominant ones can just have sex all day. Which I was initially thinking that would be such a weird a way thing. humans would work if like only the best ones bred and then everyone else was just out getting food. But anyways, um, how this relates to Into the Breach? <laughs> I know fish that's would how definitely be out getting fish would be out getting me and fish would be out getting food of, and Shay and Josh mind. would be back mating. That's for sure. Together? Which one? 
Would Which we be high-fiving? Josh and I would be high-fiving? Hmm. Maybe. I don't, Josh hmm. doesn't seem like a high-fiver. He's more of a don't-touch-me-during-sex kind of guy. <laughs> <laughs> don't make eye contact. Okay. He just giggled, so that's but, a maybe. Yeah. Mm-hmm. No, kinda... <laughs> He'd consider it. Um, <laughs> but <laughs> basically, these um, when the meerkats are acting as sentries, it reminded me of basically when you're initially placing your mechs. Um, you're kind of trying to pick out the best location. You're you're deciding mm-hmm. where to go from there, and then when they are actually placed, one of the mechs will actually say something. You know, some of the people in the buildings will say something, and one of the mechs will be like, "Oh, the enemies are coming in from the west," or something like that. And that's similar to how meerkats, when they see a predator, will make it a like a very sharp noise to warn the rest that, "Hey, there's a predator on the horizon. There's a predator coming." <laughs> You best be ready. Be- best I, quit. Uh, best quit having sex because someone's coming. I would. I would be so <laughs> jealous that me and Fish would be. We would just make noises to pretend there was predators to stop you from getting laid. We'd be like, ah, ah. <laughs> <laughs> like, what? Who is it? Everybody, stop having sex. Oh, nothing. False Holy alarm. shit! That's the sound of an ant eater trying to get up in here. <laughs> oh no! That's just Morgan's penis again. But um, and then. <laughs> <laughs> There's another Josh head shake. What they will do is these meerkats will also sometimes sacrifice themselves um, in the event of necessity. So that also kind of reminds me of the mech. Sometimes you got you got to place your mech on a hole to prevent uh, one of the vec from emerging, or sometimes you got to place your mech in front of the line of fire of a vec to prevent it from hitting a building. Uh, if you're unskilled yeah. in the game like me, I know Josh is, you know, leaps and bounds above Morgan and my capabilities with the game, but speak uh, for yourself. Yeah. But yeah, it's, uh, it's fucking interesting. Yeah. Like just like a lot of the comparisons for me were there. So how do you guys yeah. feel about that? Like are the comparisons there? Like the... And what do you think about the altruism of meerkats? It, uh... Uh, I mean, that, that's something that I've always seen in meerkats, even as a kid watching uh, Animal Planet, um, which is one of my favorite uh, TV television um, broadcasts out there back in the day. Um, I'm trying to think, was Umbo Macumba on Animal Planet or was that on Disney? Do you guys even Nobody know? Nobody knows Umba what the Macumba fuck is? you're talking about. Okay, never mind. Anyways. <laughs> Bringing these fucking weird C-rate Jamaican <laughs> films into our podcast, fish. I'm really getting fucking sick of it. You talk about Quill Runnings next. Whatever kind of What's fucked up on? dreadlock porn God, you're you watching have... on your free time God. when you're playing Monster Hunter, fuck? Monster Hunter World, and not playing other games is your fucking dreadlock rip. porn again, fish. I thought we stopped. God damn it. I'm sorry. What I was trying to get at is I've always seen meerkats as protecting the, their whole clan as opposed to just themselves because they would all act together. They would all be popping up to say, taking as scouting for any uh, threats to their uh, little society. And um, yeah, I guess, I guess I was just, uh, I guess I would actually be the first one to have found out that they were altruistic and not these science, so-called scientists that you've, wrote this article i guess because they wrote it down they get all the findings and everything but uh, 
they deserve it, I guess. Fish they... is just rambling now. He's in a dark hole of... <laughs> <laughs> I can't believe you guys haven't seen Umbo Makama. Fuck you guys. I, I just... <laughs> I've heard that's the fifth best porn in Jamaica. <laughs> Umbo Makamba, that's a, that's a porn star, right? Um, you know, I just love the idea that there are sentries that go out and look for shit while the others are having sex. That's so fucked up. And I love making the correlations to society. Now that's an into the breach I would play. I'm telling you, um, just the concept there is so fucking interesting to me, but how nature works. It's brutal, right? I mean, those meerkats, what's running through their heads when they're out like, God damn it. She's back there getting all of those. You know, hot meerkats again. This is bullshit. And we're out here looking for fucking... You know, what, you know what they're thinking? They're thinking, where's our lord and savior, Blitzkrag? Where is he? Blitzkrag. Yeah. Yeah, and no one's they're all out there thinking, joke. oh, thank God I don't have to fuck a meerkat. Thank, thank God. That's awesome. Thank mm-hmm. God. Yes. We've already had dolphin fucking thank, on the show. Thank too. Blitzkrag we don't have to fuck all these meerkats. <laughs> I think it's a good a good smooth transition too, Shay, because in Into the Breach, the first thing you do in every mission, you set things... You know, the, the, trying to find things in nature that correlate to strategy games is interesting. And it's it's unfortunate that I think not a lot of people are going to care about this game. Of all the posts I posted last week, the Into the Breach one got the least amount of traffic because people just don't seem to care. It doesn't look super appealing from a distance. Um... Until you actually play it, it's hard to really sink your teeth into why it's so interesting and why it's so addicting. That's too bad. You know, that's 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 a shame. Well, um, I mean, the kind of thing, and I know you you can relate to this. I'm just saying it more for the listener than you. But like when before we started describing it, you almost had no interest in the game. You're like, ah, that's not really my thing. But then the more Josh and I described it, you're like, ah, it doesn't sound bad. It sounds kind of interesting. So you went and played it, and then you're like, oh shit. Because you've been posting nonstop this week about it, which I'm very happy because it's a fucking great game, you know? I mean, usually when Josh suggests a game to us, it's damn good. Usually. Um, but, yeah, it's just... I, Except I think for damn good. Of, I was way off on that one. You damn were, good, yeah. It was yeah. so it was, far off the mark on that It was one. damn mediocre at best. I know. Well, it was a sequel. I mean, the first one, damn fine, was all right. But damn good was just... It, yeah, it didn't really it's, have its own legs to stand on. It it's was, a shame yeah. because they got too cocky like, with after, the name. After you suggest, after you suggested that game, it really was damning uh, for further suggestions for you. Wah, wah, mm-hmm. wah. <laughs> hey, you kept it going. I'll give you a, a fighter spirit on that one. Give me, give me a high one, just one finger. Give me an ET, okay? Because that joke wasn't worth a high, a high five. You can give, you can but, give Josh a high one when you're back at the colony, um, repopulating. <laughs> <laughs> that's true but uh let's get let's get focused we're getting way to go okay. cat, brother. this game i will say this yeah that's um, right hey, that's a good point shay and i was uh, originally warded off because it was a pc game so i had to take everything off my desk i usually use for recording and i had to reset up my room to be comfortable and sat down to give it a shot and it it took a t- it takes a tr- it's a dense game so i think the reason it takes a couple tries to get into is cuz there's a lot to learn the game doesn't spell everything out to you and i kind of like that about games sometimes as long as it's not too much you you will probably die a couple times and you'll have to just learn things like oh these enemies do this this symbol means that and the game tells you some things but it's fairly dense and you learn through kind of the process of of just getting out there and fighting and i like that so even though you'll yes. die a couple times you you mm-hmm. learn Yes, this is one of those games, and this is why I like it so much. This is why I like Meat Boy so much. This game has been the first one in a long time that I can remember 
where you turn it on, you play for a little while, you turn it off, you come back a few days later or a few hours later or a week later. For me, it's a week because this week was hellaciously busy for me. But um, you come back and you have learned from what you played. And the the learning curve there is just Mm -hmm. so, it's high, but it's also rewarding because each time you turn it on, you think about a different way to play and you think about a different strategy and how to mm-hmm. successfully navigate through these levels and you become better for it. And that's, that's what I love about these games because like with shooter games, they're fun. There is a learning curve there, but eventually you stagnate because you, you play one particular style, but these games allow for such, and that's just my opinion. I'm not knocking shooters or shooter games or people who love shooters. Cause I do love shooters too. But for these games to just like the the learning there for me feels more rewarding because you were playing puzzles, you were you were using different aspects of your mind, and you were engaging different things. It's like a chess and match. It is so much. Yeah, absolutely. That's why I love Shining Force. That's why I love tactics games. And oh God, his excuse to talk about Shining Force again. This fucking <laughs> fucking. We listened to twenty kidding. minutes about Donkey Kong, and I didn't complain once. It was 10 minutes and everyone loved Fish Donkey talked Kong. about his Jamaican porn and I didn't complain twice. I complained twice. I was once, just joking, Shay. Look, why you gotta get so mad about it? <laughs> I just want you guys to love Shining Force as much as I do. <laughs> that's a tough, that's a tough sell. Uh, the only, I do kind of disagree with you, Shay. Last week you said that it wasn't charming as Shining Force. I think the game is pretty charming with its sort of like retro uh, aesthetic. Um, going on, but um, I don't know. Maybe that's maybe all games with that retro aesthetic kind of look charming to me. So I might yeah, fall it's, prey. it's for me. For me, it's more like the story. Um, in this game is pretty pretty bare bones, which is good. It's fine. There doesn't need to yes, be much story, yeah. and that's a good thing. I think this game really benefits from not having as much story. They don't infuse this game with some bullshit mumbo-jumbo to make you try and feel invested in it. Because in all actuality, most tactics games, you don't give a fuck about the story. Fire Emblem, I start to give a fuck, and then I just get bored as shit with the Fire Emblem Fire Emblem's the worst. They start... I don't care. I just want to see Camilla's boobs over and over again. I don't care what anyone else says. No, you're, you're not wrong. I mean, a lot of the yeah. Fire Emblem games are exactly like that. They start, like, intriguing, and then it just devolves into generic yeah. anime bullshit. Yes. Yeah. Like, it's interesting whenever you're waking up and don't know who you are, and there's this whole world to explore, and then you get conscripted into the world's most boring army to yeah. help lead them. And the, yeah, and the writing is not good. And like you're right, Shay. Every tactical game, with the exception of Final Fantasy Tactics and maybe Tactics Ogre, they generally have bad stories. So I kind of like that they just said, "Okay, no story in this game. Just get rid of it." Yeah, and like if if I'm being objective, if I'm being honest, and this is going to be the most honest I've ever been on this podcast, even though Shining Force and Shining Force Two are my favorite games, the dialogue mm-hmm. in those games is subpar, and the story. Is pretty average. I mean, like, some of the characters are very endearing, and that's why I like those games so much. But the dialogue and the story are very, very average or subpar. However, because it was one of my first games, it was one of those games, it will forever be my favorite. 
Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I I agree with that. Like, I mean, even Tactics Advance is probably one of the better stories because it doesn't take itself seriously. Like, the whole yes. point of Tactics Advance is that some kid who played Final Fantasy Tactics gets whisked off to this other world. Of Final Fantasy, yeah. Yeah, of Final yeah, Fantasy, stupid, yeah. and it's just... It's it's just really lighthearted and, and and dopey beyond that, and because of that, it's fun. It's not, yeah. Fish yeah, fish will appreciate. Yeah. No, I agree hundred percent, Josh. When you start in that game, you start like throwing snowballs. You're in a snowball fight mm-hmm. before you get whisked away. Like it's lighthearted, yeah. and I think fish will appreciate this if you ever get around to trying this game. The randomness in this game is is really interesting. Like, and it's something that I think more tactics games could use because every battle is randomized. In so many different ways, so you don't feel like you're doing the same thing over and over again like most other games like Fire Emblem. Like like the map and everything? Yes, or? the map, the enemy types, everything. Like, these pods will crash land randomly, and you can loot them. They have different random pilots. Like, I found this really badass pilot that I've used, and I love him. He looks really cool. Um, the Everything in the game is fucking randomized, and it's really, it really cool. I love that, yeah. Yeah, that, yeah, that I does just, sound cool. I was playing right, I was playing right before the podcast. And I encountered a new enemy, and I've been playing. I've played this game for ten plus hours before I played today. Wow! And I encountered a brand was new it a enemy. Boss? I've never. No, it's just a normal guy mm. that like shoots out some type of slime that blows up in the, like up, down, left, right. Ah. Actually, oh yeah, I, yeah actually, yeah. I almost said that in Japanese. I was gonna say it blows up Tate and Yoko. <laughs> oh, I like the sound of that. Yeah. Blow up Tate and Yoko, all over. Yeah. Um. Continue. But it's Blow just it cool. all over my face, baby. guys. Stop! Come on oh, now. Fish, fish is trying to chirp. This sorry. This is not. Oh, okay. Sorry. A sorry. Podcast for sorry, the fan fish. Of I'm sorry. He's got nothing to say. Just let him chirp in with his depravity. Sorry. Continue, fish. Yeah. I this next three minutes is dedicated and devoted to you talking about blowing well, it. Please. No, we don't have that time. Start. We don't have that kind of time. Oh. Uh, I'll save it for later. I will say, um, how about this? Save the blowing for later. In all seriousness, though, the randomness, because this game is a strategy game and the concept of the game is starting over, to make that not feel so frustrating and annoying, by randomizing everything, they keep the battles fresh. So you don't feel like you're doing the same fucking thing over and over, which is vital. Um, And, like, we find different pilots. I found a pilot that looks just like Fish, and when I use him, I'm going to name him Fish, even though his name is Henry Kwan. And... It's going to be fucking great. And um, I found this one pilot that Shay said he had never seen. And he played the game a fucking ton. So that randomness goes beyond just the actual missions themselves and everything about them. Uh, and that makes it... It's, this, I'm going to say something crazy, okay? But I, I want this to go on record. On record. I have played tactics games since i was a kid i've been trying them from shay trying to get me to play shining force to playing final fantasy tactics as a kid to playing the front mission games which are kind of an obscure uh series that i played a lot as a kid as well to playing all the fire emblem games to playing a shitload of conquest last year final conquest to god knows what else i tried uh disagaya i have never been able to really connect and fall in love with a tactics game and this is my favorite turn-based strategy game ever it's the only one i've ever beaten and it's the best one and my favorite, hands down. I could put that on the record book. I think a big part of that too, though, is like for me, the first strategy game I ever beat was Shining Force. And for me, mm-hmm. at this point, it's comfort food because I go back and play it and I know I can 
I know I know the ins and outs of that game. I know the strategy. I figured it all out. Um, so I can beat it fairly easily. And I think that's a big part of what makes certain strategy games our favorites because it's like when you have finally like you've taken that big learning curve, you've overcome that learning curve and you basically understand all the ins and outs and what you can truly do in that particular strategy game. You master it. You love it because you're like, I fucking learned something. I actually learned something and I enjoyed learning. Like that, that's, that's the biggest thing. I, and that, I think that's kind of like the same mm-hmm. reminiscent of like subjects in school or, you know, and I'm not here to talk about school cause who, who the fuck likes school, but, um, it's just, it's, it's like that mentality of like, oh, I get this. I'm learning and I'm mastering it. Therefore I well, love it because it's interesting. It's fun. And I'm learning something. Yes. And I'm mastering it. And that's, that's the beauty about tactics and strategy I, games is you actually learn. But, to actively engage the brain and you become but, good but at Think it. about this too. And I, I, and I agree with you, Shay, but think about this. Look at this bullet point. Everything that tactics games normally do wrong, this game does better. They get rid of the shitty story. It's randomized. So you can do the same thing over and over again, right? Um, you can undo moves, which is one of the most brilliant things I've ever seen. Like they demand a higher level of perfection in this game, which is why it's so tough. Um, they want you to die. That's the name of the fucking game, Into the Breach. If you don't ever die, you're not really going to see the concept of the game. But the way they make it so challenging is they allow you to undo your mistakes. You can undo moves. You can undo entire turns, which is why it feels feels like chess like when you're playing with your friends and you lay a piece down but you still hold on to the piece until you're 100% sure and you let it go you know what i mean it's like you're playing all the options in your head and it yeah, yeah, does yeah. every yeah. it does everything that other strategy games fail to do and the biggest thing shape in my opinion the biggest thing is that most strategy games go on too fucking long like i put 30 hours into fire emblem conquest and i'm fucking done with that goddamn game and i was still six missions from finishing it this game knows exactly the right length of an experience of gameplay and just the game in general. So that's just my opinion, but it I does agree. everything right. I agree with that. That's a really good point that it knows, mm-hmm. it knows when it needs to start and end. It gives you the option to play it long because you can play through all the islands or you could play the first two and then go to the final boss. And basically mm-hmm. it gauges your, your, um, the level of difficulty for the boss in accordance with where you are at in the game level wise and ability wise. Um, which is also yeah. cool. And on top of that, I do love the point you're saying that it gives you the ability to undo a move because there have been so many times where I'm sitting there and I'm con- conceptualizing the strategy and I'm like, all right, if I hit this guy here, then he's not going to hit this building. He's safe. If I knock this guy into the water, that guy's dead. And if I knock these two guys mm-hmm. together, it'll kill this guy and it'll do one damage to that guy. And then I go to start doing these moves and I'm like, oh, fuck, I didn't even account for if I blow this missile up here, it's going to shoot him over here and it's going to target this building or it's going to target my guy or my guy's in the way. So then you rewind that turn, which you only get one per battle. Um, that's the important thing. Like you can't just constantly rewind. You get one per battle. Yeah. And... Yeah. um it's really cool because then you're like, oh, well, I really fucked up this turn. Let me go back and reconceptualize this again. And then you can fix that. And then sometimes, um, which is the frustrating part about the game, but it's also that's a part of the high learning curve is you go back, you rewind, and then you think, oh, I do have it. But then you realize, well, there's nothing I can do. One building's going to go no matter what yep. because I suck at the game. Um, so you just got to kind of with loss. Yeah, <laughs> the game's designed to almost make you deal with loss. You will take damage, in you just will, you know. Yep, mm-hmm. yep. Well, be- the average person. Well, because the, I'm sure be- 
I'm sure the almighty Blitzkrieg and Josh don't, but <laughs> us mere mortals do. Well, it I mean, depends the team you're playing on, because yeah. all the different squads play drastically differently. Um, just drastically. Um, so what what you end up prioritizing is very different. Like on some mm-hmm. of them, it's you're going to want the buildings to take the damage instead of you and then just try to heal it up afterwards. Um, yes. Can you heal the buildings? some of them... No, 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 but you can heal the grid damage afterwards. Yeah. Oh, okay, okay. I thought you meant um, he- heal the buildings. I'm like, that's an ability? That's fucking cool. You can shield okay. the buildings. Shield them, yeah. And that's freeze true. You can. them. You can. And lots of other fun Creative things. ways, yeah. Yeah. Um, I like blowing up all my buildings so the match ends really quickly. <laughs> <laughs> Just... Well, you know what's funny is that the um because it's randomized, the only downside to that that I'm okay with is that sometimes, uh, yeah, like five percent of the time you'll get kind of a rough hand. Like, um, there's this a lot of missions we have to defend the train. There was this one I was on. There was no way in hell I replayed the first turn a hundred thousand times. There was no way I could defend this train from getting destroyed because the way the enemies spawned and the way they spawned the train. It, there was just no way. They, the enemies went right out to the train, and I tried every possible angle, and there was no way I could kill the enemies with without them doing damage to this train. Sometimes those things just happen. I feel like that's part of a game being so randomized. You can't perfectly balance a game that's randomized, but it's pretty damn close considering that's what they're doing. Um, so it's not a flaw in my eyes, but it is... Yeah. Most it is of the time, most of the time, there's something you can do to set up better. I've noticed usually it's a turn one thing because you'll pick where you want to start and then realize you don't quite have enough movement to get where you need to go on that first mm-hmm. turn. Um, so, well, it depends on the team, too. If you start with yeah. a better team, like if you well, start with the base team, it's they are limited compared to what other teams can do. Yeah, well, that a lot of it, learning how to set up that first turn is... Oof. that That takes several playthroughs to get because that is yeah. not... A lot of the other stuff you can kind of understand. Okay, you, you see the strategy of moving stuff around, but without any context, spawning into a level, that's, that's just a harder thing to grasp altogether. Um, and that, that takes it a is, lot more yeah. practice um, in order to you know, avoid getting in situations like that. It's, and like the coolest thing, Fish, when you start using new teams, like I, just, I unlocked just when I was... Like, not really getting sick of the game, but I completed it. I unlocked a new team with some of the achievements, and I got this team, and they were joking, the joke, because I called them Blitzkrieg, instead of Blitzkrieg, which I guess is the proper pronunciation, because it's German, of course. Um, um, but, so, my Blitzkrieg, anyway, my main mech on my Blitzkrieg team is, has this whip, and I upgraded it, and it reminds me a lot of the Epion from when I was a kid, Fish. You can whip through, like, if enemies are standing around a building, you can chain the whip attack, like, in like a weird pattern that connects them. It's crazy. Um, and there's all these teams you can unlock cool. that are so distinctive. Like I have this mech that it doesn't attack, but it can move things on the map. It can grab things and pull them. Um, it's just like, it, it sounds so simple, but the way it moves, it can, you can grab yourself out of danger. You can pull someone into the water and kill them. Like it's complete. It, like trying to learn how to use this new team was really like weird. And I had to almost learn the whole game over again. But now that I have, it almost feels like a whole new game. It's crazy. Yeah. Fascinating. Yeah, and they're all pretty good. I've only found one that's I've not figured out any use for yet. They're just um I don't know. There's probably something, but I'm not seeing it. Um, I'm not seeing it, yeah. There's a 
Which team is like that? A, the flamethrower guys. I don't remember their oh. name, but they like all the all the squads have their own specialty. Like some of them will, you know, do chain damage or you know have lasers or move the enemies around more. They all, they all specialize in one thing, and the flame guys specialize on setting tiles on fire. Um. Which is not good enough because fire damage is one a turn. Slow. And you'll, yeah. you'll, it's just so slow. Like it, it, I think it could be good if you had a little bit more enemy movement to be able to light them on fire and then move them out of the way so they were just slowly dying. But just right off the bat, they don't quite have enough. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I'm struggling to figure out exactly. I, how I also to make think that's part of part of that is like you're getting some of these these teams to allow you to use like one character from that team to customize to build your own team you know what i mean like if you want to build that perfect josh team or that yeah. perfect morgan team um maybe one fire guy is enough and you got to figure out how to correctly use him in order to be mm-hmm. uh, yeah i mean it's possible but I'm I'm currently trying to grind out all the achievements so I can unlock the last squad because you unlock the like secret the first, squad. Yeah, yeah, the first eight or so, like the first eight squads, um, are pretty the cheap. Secrets. And then the last yeah. one, in order to uh, to be able to afford it, you have to basically unlock everything else, um, which is yeah, it's achievement based yeah. too, which I'm not a big fan of. So. Well, I mean, it goes pretty fast. Like, once mm. you get better at it. I mean, I was sending you pictures of the uh, um, Acid Squad, which, yeah, I played all the way through one time and got all the achievements. Wow. Just, What's your favorite squad? What's your go-to squad, Josh? Uh, if you had to pick one to play the game on hard or something. The Rust guys are good, the, the Smoke ones. Um, you like those guys, huh? Okay. They're pretty good. I st- I think my favorite is the uh um the judo ones, the ones that just move everybody. Like it's like they mm. barely do any damage on their own, but you can move the enemies with every single one of your mechs to begin with. Oh, weird. Okay. Um and it causes enemies to do bonus damage to each other. So <laughs> Oh, yeah, that's cool. I will you can say just when you find drag them, them around and make them kill each other, it's that's yeah, like the best feeling favorite. when they when they do that because it's like follow, it's like you can see what they're gonna do before they do it, which is another cool thing that strategy games don't necessarily. Sh- you know what? The, one of the coolest things about this game is too, and I guess we'll try to wrap this up. A lot of strategy games, you'll line up with someone, you'll attack them, and it'll be like miss. Or it's like a certain percentage to hit. In this game, Mm -hmm. if you're lined up to hit them, it tells you exactly how much you're going to do, and you're going to fucking do it. You know what I mean? Thank God. Every I I don't know why strategy games always do the same tropes. It's like it's like they're all carbon copies of themselves, and they take the same annoying shit from one to another. And this game was just like, eh, we're not going to take any of that annoying shit. Yeah, yeah. There's there is nothing like that. The only random chance in the game is. Very, very rarely when an enemy goes to destroy one of the buildings, you just won't get fucked. Like occasionally. Yeah. The building resist, will not resist, yeah. yeah, the building will not take damage. Like and, th- and that's the only random <laughs> rolling that's going on during the fights, which feels so good. So good. All those that, people weren't murdered. Like, oh thank God. I know. You're not murdered. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um 
It's a yeah. fucking cool game. It's it's a really fucking cool game. I'm definitely curious to see how long I'll stick with it. It's it's I get really excited about games that are in genres I don't specifically that I always bounce off of and mm-hmm. then I fall in love with because they they tend to rectify all the issues I have. Now that's just me. I'm not gonna speak for everyone. Maybe people will love Fire Emblem more than this game. I don't know. I'm just saying for me, it corrects a lot of my frustrations. Um, but we're all playing the shit out of it. So fish, you should give it a shot one of these days. If you can pull yourself away from monster hunter world and watch it. Yes, sir. Like you can pop in for a good half an hour. Could could you say I could drop in on a pod? You could time travel in. Yeah. I kind of like it. (laughs) Thank you. I will do that. Um, so just quick, uh, roundup as we close the show on the Instagram this week, I got the video of fish eating a banana. So don't miss that as he trains for his spicy banana, um, punishment for failing at Donkey Kong country. I have an into the breach video. If you've enjoyed this discussion and you want to see more, I have a short video on the at sword chomp Instagram, as well as a bunch of fun nineties video game commercials. You don't want to miss those. And remember new polls every Tuesday, new questions of the week every Thursday. It's been a lot of fun. We'll wrap this one up and we will see you next week. So thanks for listening. Remember, tell your friends, support us best you can as we continue to grow. From everyone here at Sword Chomp and the Chompcast, we will see you next week. Young money. <laughs>